it's a lovely evening. Started off. I mean, it's what twenty-seven degrees outside. A balmy twenty-seven degrees. A balmy yeah, twenty-seven degrees. You guys are in uh, Boise, Idaho, right? Yeah. Uh, some people call it that. I believe the French call it Boise. Boise. Le Le What is it? New Orleans Lazy Bonton Roulet? Something like that. I, I don't know. I've never been to Mexico. Oh. You suck, man. Louisiana is definitely not Mexico. So, okay. So you guys are hanging out in Boise, Idaho, and the reason is because you guys are kind of like neighbors, right? One of you guys, well, I mean, you guys both live in Boise, so that's fun. I wouldn't go that far, but no. We live close. I still like it, but I don't live that close to it. Yeah. Just far enough. We hang out a lot. We have yeah. Just far enough to keep it a safe distance. Yes. <laughs> that's a fantastic night to be... Uh... Have a nice beverage. I've uh, brought the celebration brew, of course, in my sea town glass. Good man. But, uh, I, in fact, brought a special beer that uh, I was telling Ryan about earlier. It's a Stone Brewing Company's uh, Vertical Epic Series 12 12 12. So, this is the last in their series. So, Ryan, they started out in 2001, very first 2001. Every year after that, 222, 333. 12, 12, 12. So they've been doing it for that long. I thought it was a fitting tribute to the uh, end of the season. That's fitting. Absolutely. Oh, well, I appreciate it. Okay, well, Brian, you're obviously rocking just a regular old uh, Corona there, eh? Yeah, we just moved into a new office here in Boise, and uh, the office uh, manager was uh, the, the, the facility we moved into. She was really nice, and she gave me a nice uh, housewarming present. We full case of Corona, so... Figure might as well drink it. And uh, I don't know if, uh, let's see, it actually says something on here about the end of the world as well. So, you know, yeah. we're both drinking beers that have a fitting date here within the next week. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, I've, I've got, uh, I'm drinking actually the, uh, what is it, the Angry Orchard uh, Cider stuff um, out, of my seat, out of my Seed Time pint glass just to show that you guys can get those online, not that that's not, you know, a plug or anything. But, I don't know, like, uh, we found out that Liam is gluten intolerant, and so it's kind of like, we, Tam and I haven't really got ourselves tested to find out if we have, like, celiacs or if we're gluten intolerant, but because she's still breastfeeding, this is our four-month-old son, not me, um, that, uh, you know, she can't have wheat because breastfeeding, he would then have wheat, and so we thought it'd just fair if we kind of cut out, uh, you know, all that in general. So that's kind of why I've been doing it. What's that? I think we took a strange turn. I mean, he was talking about breastfeeding. <laughs> yeah, yeah I know. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back to motorcycles, I figure, at some point. But for right now, we'll just kind of talk about, you know, breastfeeding. Yeah. Partial. And we can talk about breasts on the show, too, if you want. I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all relevant. I mean, I guess as long as we don't well, show in breasts, you know, I mean, unless it's Brian's. You then... showed yours. Hey, hey, that was. You showed yours, like, with the first three minutes testing. That was definitely before we were live. It's definitely before we were live. Yes. But that's okay. It's all part of the deal. So. I, I do. I kind of wanted to see Dale if you wanted to bring this in. Did you want to mention anything about the helmet, or would you prefer that I kind of preface it and we'll just kind of see how it goes from there? I'll probably let you take it. Uh, it is uh, one of our brand new, uh, one of Fly Racing's brand new yes. three point four helmets. And, um, and why the three point four versus the three dot four, or three period four? I think it's it's all in how you want to. You know. It's, it's hard to come up with names for products nowadays, so I think it's just one of those where you just—that's where it landed. Right. You know? It's hard to name a helmet so. badassery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> we tried the wall. 
Okay, so uh, what what uh, Dale is just for you guys don't know Dale is 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 a big uh, supporter of Seat Time and as well Fly Racing is a very large supporter of Seat Time. They will be our title title sponsor for next year going into 2013. And just through collaboration, luckily enough with Dale, it just super nice guy willing to help out all the fans out there we know that this is a really expensive sport so we want to support the supporters of the supporters so they are giving away one of their 3.4 helmets on the show tonight it was the blue one that i put up earlier today on facebook twitter and all those other fun spots that you guys could see uh this is it's not exact it's like a 199.95 helmet so i mean this isn't like you know what they call priceline type stuff this is like high tech awesome business with the snow all the fun stuff that's in there the stuff that you want to ride so that you can look cool and keep your brainium you know partially intact you know if we're all riding dirt bikes we know we've got issues anyway but so what we're going to do is on twitter what you need to do is you need to tweet us you need to tweet us you need to tweet us it's going to be yeah, I know. Uh, let's see if I can pull up one of my little things here. Here we go. So this is our Twitter handle. It's at SeatTime underscore CO. Make sure you put that in your tweet. And then as well, uh, hashtag helmet contest. So those are the two things that have to be in your tweet. And just tell us in the what you'll have left is going to be 113 characters why you should win the helmet. And there you go. Once the end of the show, we're going to uh, announce who it is. Hopefully we have a lot of entries. If uh, not, maybe the one or two people that enter it are going to get it. Brian, put your phone down. You can't enter. I'm not going to enter. I literally, I don't know. All right. Phone's down. Yeah. Phone's down. Okay, so 2012, I, I think, I don't know if 2012 was one of those years where we're going to see how 2013 really kind of um, – comes because you know with kawasaki dropping out uh, having an, an official off-road professional team uh coming through and then it, it seemed like a big shake-up you know with that kind of thing coming forward we didn't really know where a lot of riders were going to go um we've seen a couple shop teams come up which is really cool for rides uh, riders to get on we've even seen guys like josh strang you know he went to a kawasaki dealership and bought a bike uh he, he probably got some form of a deal on it but at the same time he spent his own money whatever it be, to get the rest of the motorcycle. So 2012 is more kind of about the highlights, lowlights, and stuff like that of, of all the champions that were crowned, some of the injuries that happened. Now, Brian, because of the fact that you're on the West Coast, did you have privy to any – did you get did you get to go to the Hare and Hounds? I know you went to the Enduro Cross that was there in Boise, but while you guys were you know over there in the Idaho, did you get to go to the Hare and Hound that was out there? Yeah, we actually have one that's uh, that's about 30 miles south of here. So uh, the Heron Hound series this year was, honestly, I think one of the better years uh, just based upon the dynamics of the top five racers. This was the first year probably in three or four years that you've really seen first place, second place, third place, fourth place, and fifth place dice it up all over the place. You didn't just have, you know, Kurt went in every race. You had guys like Nick Burson. You had Jacob Argy right? Guys that were in the mix uh, doing a really good job and just killing it and uh, really kind of coming out. And, you know, on the, the West Coast for us, the National Heron Hounds has really kind of done what the National Enduro Series has done on the East Coast. It's just made a complete 180 from kind of almost disappearing, I'd say, two years ago to turning into just a full-blown, that's a series we want to ride type series. I mean, they just, their support that they've thrown out there and the sponsors that have come on board. Just done a killer job putting it all together. So, yeah, the Heron Hound Series, man, rocking. Blaze, the Blaze family, all those guys doing an awesome job. So. Wicked. Um, two things. 
it's funny though because say like with Kurt Caselli, you know, he didn't win all of his races, but that's because say round six is when he got hurt, and he did win all of his races up until he got hurt. Um, you know, and then he was kind of out with the shoulder and the, you know, and then he decided to have the knee surgery. So do you think that everybody was kind of, do you think that people would have been able to, to bring Kurt something or was he just on a different playing field that year trying to just, just bring all of his Baja badassery together? That's a what if though. You know, no, no. It didn't happen. And yeah. Man crush aside. Hey. I know, I know you. Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey. I did get the, I did get to meet him. I was hoping I could take home a pair of underwear, but unfortunately those free guns were all tight hey. snug up on his body. If Poland would have called and told Taddy to come home, I suppose maybe Gary Sutherland would have won the Endurocross series. But or I mean, like you know, Chad Reed hurt me. I mean, what would have happened there? You know, in the Supercross, it would have been. Who knows? You know, like with the. I think it was just made it more exciting. You know, good for the oh, series. Yes. Um, I mean, we all know Caselli's a, a hero. You yeah, know? I mean, he's it's a just, beast. Uh, and I think the Baja is really kind of starting to gain some momentum too. And you see, uh, you know, what Honda's done coming in developing this. Dakar bike, and uh, that's pretty exciting for the sport, I think, in general. I mean, to have uh, somebody coming with a bike like that, and actually, I mean, Honda, from what I understand, it's Honda developing this bike, and it's like a, you know, it's a three-year program, from what I understand, and uh, they're putting a lot into it, and uh, I mean, I, I think that's just going to translate over to the Baja series, you know, the, the as big as the Dakar is all over the world, it's just going to bring that much more to the, to the, uh, you know, the Baja series. So and and that series was just so exciting this year coming out of the last race, and, you know, having the the Honda guys, you know, step up and really just kind of I think a lot of people were just kind of wondering with those guys because, you know, in in some ways, I'm not gonna say they were you know B team, but you know I think they were a little bit of underdogs when you got guys like Caselli and you know Pearson and you know Robbie Bell. I mean these are guys that have been there and done it, you know. So definitely made it pretty interesting this year. Absolutely. Yeah. No, uh, it was it was fun to kind of talk to Kurt earlier in the year. Um, I know I hate to just kind of like man crush all over the place about the guy, but <laughs> it was really neat to talk to him. And then I got to talk to David Camo about um, some of the the Baja type stuff because I did I learned a lot. Um, I had no idea. I mean, I knew that the event was cool, and then I had friends that had gone down there and done it either Ironman style or you know they'd been on teams. And I really think that they have done a really good job. I don't know what exactly it is except maybe that more of these factory teams have kind of brought some i guess highlights to it and so more people are paying attention or if the organizations themselves uh like score and horn uh hare and hound uh themselves are kind of doing a little bit more for the series and really kind of trying to to buff up their promotions and their marketability and maybe some of their social uh media stuff I think there's a there's a certain kind of allure to that the Baja, you know. It's kind of like a guy like Cassetti, Cassetti, who's uh, pretty much done everything, you know, like won the won the works, won the Hare and Hound. That's like totally uncharted territory. Where what's next? What's next? I mean, yeah. it's got to be so fun to do something that's completely different and challenging, you know, riding riding at 90 miles an hour on fire roads where you don't know what's around the next corner. I'm sure they pre-run, but the same token, I mean, that's gnarly i mean it's just a whole whole different level you know yeah, factoring in navigation yeah. you know yeah, I mean, it's a level of commitment involved when you're going 100 miles per yeah. hour versus going 50 miles per hour so. so dale you used to race outdoors motocross so that means you're a badass i mean elliot and i it's pretty much just known that we're awesome um so <laughs> does that mean that we're gonna like start a baja team is that what's is that what's gonna happen i think it's a fantastic idea 
We have all the resources for it at this point. I mean, I, I just want to, at this point, I just want to go about and, and ride someday and just, that's always been a dream of mine and I know there's lots of different things like, you know, the rip to the tip that I think, have you been on that ride? Um, you know, I, I just helped with a lot of the back end stuff, you know, I mean, with Cameron and those guys. Uh, Cameron Steele's a really good mutual friend of Dale and ours. Uh, he lives down in San Clemente uh, where I used to live and actually bases the entire uh, JCR team, Cameron and Johnny are good buddies and so that's kind of our, our trifecta of relationships between all of us because Fly is now supporting the whole JCR effort. Right. So it's just it's been cool being able to intermingle with those guys. And you, again, you do you learn so much about a race that uh, these guys they hold sacred, man. I mean, the Baja. You talk to you talk to Cameron about the Baja, man. That's that's his home. Everything else is secondary. So yeah, I mean, the guy like I think there's still a lot of people that don't realize that a guy like Johnny Campbell is. I mean, that guy is on an international level. I mean, he's like a Valentino Rossi for road racing. I mean, the Absolutely. guy is renowned all over the world. Whereas, I mean. There's probably more people that know who he is outside of the United States, potentially, than, than even here, you know? Yeah, when you and when you go down there, when you go to Mexico with, with guys like Johnny or, or Cameron or, you know, any of the racers at this point, uh, you know, safety and all these things, these are all things that come to mind for people that, that have won there for the first time. And people don't realize that it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, they, Johnny Campbell, I mean, they just, they just built a memorial that the Baja government came in and helped build the memorial for Ox, uh, you know, for his, oh, for his yeah. one-year passing. I mean, the involvement they have in the economy that they, they help support down there, you know, Baja is just a big fishing community, essentially. So it's it's very poor, and these races that come through the peninsula, they support a lot of these people that live down there. And so the people are very supportive cause. You know, you always have your dickhead Americans that come down there and do stupid shit. But for the for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, it's it's a safe, awesome place to go ride your dirt bike. So, hmm. I mean, that's uh, yeah, it's definitely something that's on a on a bucket list of mine. I'd like to go down there, like you said, maybe just to go down there and ride. I think it would be uh, a f- phenomenal, good time. I noticed that uh, Donnie uh, or Donnie Imler uh, has his little kind of ride day. Maybe we could find a way to tag along with him. Yes. Yeah, There's quite a few companies that do that, and it's yeah. uh, especially the obviously the SoCal companies where it's easy for them to access to go down there right. and do those types of rides. Hmm. Have to do like a fly yeah. mountain ride. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, you've got you've got just as got some amazing yeah. riding up here. I mean, I think that the funny thing going back to that you know that high speed stuff. Well, I think even more personally, why well, I have so much respect. I've done some dual sporting in the last few years. And, you know, uh, not in the last 12 months, but I had a bike for a couple years and did some dual sporting. And I mean, it's it's really just kind of addictive when you get out there on these fire roads and you're just you know, you're backing your bike into the corners and flowing through in a nice power slide at 60 miles an hour. I mean, it's pretty stinking fun. So I can see it's me just like going back to the whole reason I rode dirt bikes to begin with. You know, it's like rediscovering riding. So having moto, like you said, all my life, it was just hop on it, hop you know? on it, and pin it. Ride with your buddies and. <laughs> Stop and have lunch somewhere and have a good time. So it's, it's, it's fun. Man, yeah, I'm trying to get uh, more and more stuff going for the, the helmet. Uh, and I don't know. I've never done a bunch of dual sporting. The one thing that I have done a lot of is Colorado riding, but like more so with my father and kind of his friends. Um, and it's interesting. And by no means, 
would I be ever have been a fast rider with them? You know, those guys. Everybody. It, it, what's neat is that everybody goes out there. You got C riders, B riders, A riders, and everybody just rides together. You know, you got you go out for twenty miles, fifteen miles, whatever. Everybody kind of meets back up in a certain spot, and you go do it again. And then they have times where you just kind of all ride together. The guys who are fast ride at a slower pace. The slower guys try to keep up with a little bit, you know, like the B riders and stuff. Um, and it's a really neat atmosphere in what I've seen there. So I can only imagine that making it to more events like that would be something that would just you know, definitely light more of a fire um, in, you know, someone's life who does a lot of work in the moto or just does a lot of living in the moto industry. It'd be a lot of fun. I don't know. Okay, so... It's going to be interesting. We talked a little bit about the 2013 year, how things have changed and shifted. In 2012, Taylor Roberts won his first works championship. But uh, I kind of texted him a little bit today, and it doesn't even sound like he knows what he is doing for next year. Um, Obviously, we did mention as well that Kawasaki, they pulled their off-road racing program for 2013. So he doesn't really have a ride. Um, I'm sure... That there's a way he could find something, you know, to either maybe pull off of a Kawasaki contingency, or maybe it sounds like Yamaha's got some contingencies coming for 2013, something of that sort. But, you know, he, I, I don't, he didn't have a ton of competition this year um, in the works program. I don't know if that's good, bad, and different. Uh, again, you know, it's like you guys said. Sometimes people have crashed out. Sometimes they haven't. Um, it just seemed like this year there wasn't a ton of competition. And Taylor Roberts uh, got his first championship. Not that that takes anything away from him, but so going in the next year, I mean, you guys, again, are on the West Coast. Have you heard much about works and where works could or could not be going or who's going to be there or anything That's, like that? Yeah. Tough subject right there. Is works going to exist next year? I mean, I, from what I understand, I think they have a full schedule out. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I wish them the best. I, I hope they the series can, you know, can kind of get back to its roots. You know, it seemed like it had such a huge following for years. And, uh I don't know. I mean, when you have eight to ten pro guys show up for a, a works race, it's kind of a little bit. Yeah, when you're when you're know. when you're combining the pro one, pro two line, and I mean, you know, for me, it's it's a tough line. I have a lot of good relations with a lot of racers in that series, and uh, you know, without without that being said, without whatever, you know, I think the the biggest thing is is that I think that series needs to become more in touch with the riders racing it again, and uh, much like we've seen the national enduro series do, much like we've seen National Hare and Hound do, these, these people are, they're getting back in touch with why people come in the first place. And that's where this industry, as far as my, my projection for 2013, we're going to be seeing a lot more people going out to ride purely because they love it and, uh, and having fun doing it. And I think the series needs to go that way too. And so I, I personally see on the West Coast, a lot of the focus being more in that hair and hound classification. A lot of the local series. Yeah, and the big six, I think, is another one that's kind of got. They have. Some, they seem to have some pretty good momentum around. Almost like the J Day on the mm-hmm. East Coast, where the big six is, from what I understand, I, I've never been to one myself personally, but just from what I've heard, they're getting some pretty good turnouts. You know, yeah, riders. Yeah. Great, and, uh, great payout, great contingency. Yeah. Can you do? You, can you explain the difference then? Just so is it kind of like big six is a little bit more of a local. Hare and Hound, where Hare and Hound is like more of the national kind of level of a desert race, or or how do those two races compare, and how do they differ? A little more of like a crossover, but I think yeah. between Works and Works and Hare and Hound. And, yeah, because it's definitely more of a, I think they what like an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, I want to say I want to say it's two hours. Two hour pro race. So they kind of you know with Works, we kind of saw Works transition more into a moto based program, um, and Big Six used to be a little bit further, and so they've kind of moved into that role of, I would say Big Six is where Works 
Perks TV maybe three years ago to where they, they are running a longer course. Uh, you know, I want to say, you know, the five Grand plus Prix, right? Yeah, more of a Grand Prix right. style. So they'll run a motocross track and run good off-road. Real similar to what they did, but uh, again, they're just the people that are running it, turning into what it is, they've got a really good following behind it. And it's, I, I know a lot of kids racing Big Six going into this year, and uh, a lot of companies are stepping up. Helping yeah, out and I think there's there. another promoter that I don't know him personally, but I, I think I follow him on Twitter. Eric, I think it's Eric Cudlow. Is that his name? Cudlow. Right. It, I think he's go. starting to put on. He put on the. He'll put on the. I believe the Johnny Campbell Christmas yep. Grand Prix. Yeah, which and I think he's working on some kind of a series as well. And it just, I think it's kind of exciting. You know, I think there's more of these guys like that and John John Day. They're come trying to be creative and come up with the right mat that people are going to embrace. Because, I mean, that's if there's one thing about motocross that was always tough to go to a local race is it's hard to go there and sit all day for two you know ten minute motos. Yeah, right. And so. Go to an event where you can ride for. I mean, some people may don't. They struggle with the two-hour race. So, you know, like the J Day ones, the half hour. I mean, there's you got moto guys that are showing up that can still go fast, but then you have a woods guy that has good speed that can still. I mean, it's it's a good. It seems like a really good formula. It's just finding the balance. Yeah, exactly. Finding the balance. I don't now. With uh, with that being said, I see somebody very handsome down in the far right hand yeah. corner. Is he with us now? That was one thing I was going to mention well, uh, is that we've got uh, Mr. Uh, Daniel Ingle. Looks like uh, whatever his computer woes were, not to say they're not going to come back up, but it looks like he's joined us. So uh, just give us a quick recap, man. How you been since we talked last and what's going on? Sign language. I think we're getting the silent treatment. No audio. Daniel, we can't hear you. <laughs> well, he obviously looks very upset. Uh, I think we're going to try to figure out what's going on. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is, dude, but for whatever reason, we have no audio on you. So it's... Ooh, tell him on the on the Google thing, tell him to go into his settings and make sure that the audio mic is on the default or the mic that actually is on there because mine defaulted to some weird microphone, which my computer doesn't even have, so I had to switch it on. Did you catch any of that? You can shake your also, head. He caught it. He's going to try to figure it out. It, uh, it's funny, too, because uh, Dale, uh, I'm going to apologize now. My father is watching, and he just told me that there is a HJC helmet box in the background in my feed that you can't really see. Oh, what? And uh, I can, that is actually – that is – no, in my background. In, my father is oh, watching, so I'm going to apologize now because that's like uh, that's actually like speaker cables and shit from 10 years ago. So there's this. There it is. There it, there, I don't – Whatever. It's fired. It's fired. You're fired. Whatever. It's okay. You know, it's the, the check is not. In the Hello. Oh my God! Hello? I think Hello? I heard the ghost. What was that? Do you hear me? Can you hear me? Hell yeah, we can yeah. hear you. Hello. Hello. That's awesome. Well, before we turn Hello. this into a complete show for only four people, maybe five, uh, tell me about yourself and your evening and how it's been lately. Nothing, Daniel. Mm, okay, hear me now. Yes, we can. I heard you. Oh yeah. Hear you. All right, all right. Here we go. Now, what was that? I said, how you been doing lately? It's all good. That's it. Except for my laptop, of course. Hey. Yeah, I mean, I've not got much there. Let's roll. All right. It takes a lot for the, for the interwebs to get all the way out to them Tennessee hills. But... <laughs> That's it. I I had to go up on top of the house and steal some internet. So I mean, <laughs> go go figure the two dirty dirt bike riders in Boise, Idaho. That, Barely know how to run a computer, and the ones that were ready, set, 
having no technical difficulties and the two IT guys in the back end. Hey. You guys are on your own. I, I would like to tell you that I was at the beer store, but unfortunately I was, well, not unfortunately, but I was at my daughter's uh, Christmas play and it ran a little late. So now that yeah. we're- I've just got a crappy laptop. That's my only excuse, so. All right. Well, now yeah, there are those uh, mechanics that are very good mechanics, but they like to, they never they like to just keep tinkering. Right? Yeah, it's just saying. All right, well, I'm gonna have to hire some of those guys <laughs> in my life. <laughs> All right, so now that we may actually be somewhere with uh, this show, which is uh, actually episode 67, I don't know if we actually mentioned that, but we've done 67 episodes. Formats changed a lot. We've got awesome guests. I'm gonna mention them again: Brian Elliott, Dale Spangler, and now Daniel Ingle. Um, again, we have the uh, Fly Racing Helmet Contest going out there. Tweet us, at ctime underscore co, with the hashtag helmet contest. And the other 113 characters of why you should win the helmet, and that's what's going to happen. Uh, I guess it could be my father, but I don't know if he could win or not. That doesn't really sound fair. Okay, so other news that went on this past year is we had the Enduro Cross Series. Taddy Blazusiak was on his way. Well, I, I say on his way. He would have liked to have said that he could have gone... Uh, 2012 straight, but he could not. He lost the first round to Colton Hager, and then he lost the third round, which was the X Games, the second time they've been in the X Games, um, to Mike Brown. He actually wasn't, it's not like he lost it, Cody Webb got second, but besides that, he was pretty much untouchable. There was shining moments where Cody Webb and some other riders were very close and challenging, especially there towards the very end. Cody Webb was doing a phenomenal job uh, of putting his wheel up on Taddy and really kind of, and, and he was staying in front of him a couple times, but then he'd r- crash himself out. Um, I, I'm not, you know, it's kind of crazy how that guy could be so freaking talented, but it's like, Daniel, I know that we haven't uh, really made it back east in a while with any of the Enduro crosses, but have you kind of, you know, have you got to watch any of those or read any of this stuff of what's been going on and got any thoughts on Taddy being awesome or not awesome? Yeah, I mean, he's. <sighs> Like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, he's he's almost unbeatable, and which is cool. But then again, I kind of like it when Brownie won enduro cross at X Games, when he which flew not, his bike over the log. <laughs> yeah, well, not to mention he lives thirty minutes up the road for us from us, so a little bit of a hometown favorite. Right. Oh, but, for sure. But but yeah, it's cool. But it you know in a way, I kind of like to see a lot more guys get up there and mix it up with him too. Yeah. But, uh, Do we think that we're going to see a bunch of new dance moves for the Enduro Cross uh, finale and finish there? Because obviously, at the last round, Cody Webb, uh, he had been practicing his Taddy impersonation. We got Mike Brown throwing his bike. Cody Webb went a little crazy too at Enduro Cross. I mean, what do you what do you think is uh, should be one of the next uh, styles? Is it Gangnam style? Or is it going to be Taddy style? Or is it going to be something? Else? I hope it's not Gangnam style. They've run that into the freaking ground. Let's move on from that. But. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Uh, 
Patty will probably keep doing his thing, and you'll have a few guys come in and win a couple here and there, more than likely. Yeah. Just my guess. Tell you who I'd like to see come over because I think he has a solid. I think he could be the next Taddy is Johnny Walker from Ooh, the UK. Yeah, uh, I mean that kid's like uh, I watched the. Uh, they had this. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I didn't think YouTube actually could put out movies that or videos this long, but it was like a four-hour, like full-length video of the Erzberg from this year, and they just full, it gave you every single detail as if it was a live stream. And so I got engrossed in this, and I was watching it, you know, with my iPad in bed, but sitting there watching this. And, it's like three hours later, and I get to the end of it, but that guy on the bike is just flawless. Like, his skill, like, he kind of rides like a motocross the way his arms are. He doesn't, like, hold his arms down, but he's just, he's got Al's background, and so, and he's only, like, 20 years old or something, so, I mean, I think I he, definitely agree. I think I, he I could be the next guy to come in. Yeah, you look at, you look at some of these kids that are coming up, and uh, I would say Johnny Walker, another kid to watch out for going to next year as far as his training program. Uh, actually, you know, three. I think of another kid from Arizona is Brian Roper, another very talented trial trials rider. Uh, Cody Webb, of course, again, you know, national trials champion. Uh, and then Max Gearson. Uh, Max, I mean, these guys are they they got uh, for the first time I think in a couple of years you have a solid top five with their sights set on Taddy. That I think you know I think there's going to be some mixing it up, and uh, you know Taddy's. Teddy's an amazing rider. I mean, he, he does naturally what others struggle with, and then he struggles with what other riders do naturally. So, I mean, he really what, – what the hard stuff comes to him like nothing, and then the easy stuff like cornering and motoring is like kind of like, oh, okay, i got to figure this out a little better. And so, you know, and that's where Daddy, as soon as these guys that are trials riders kind of get to that same level of, you know, you look at, like like I said, Max Gerson or Brian Robert, excellent photo riders as well that have that trial skill, uh, I say give it give it 2013. I think we'll see an interesting season. I think uh, Taddy beats Taddy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when he it comes down to it, you know, like the opening round this year, I mean, he kept crashing. It's like he was trying so hard that he kept hitting the deck or whatever, and I think it's like he beat himself. You know, like yeah. when he rides within his own, when he's in his zone, like nobody can beat like, you know. So. Well, and I'm glad one of us can remember something about the opening round. Yeah. Because um, I feel like that was uh, that was an interesting four days in Las Vegas, wasn't it? Yeah, four days is a long time in Vegas. Oh God, there's no way I would make it four days in Las Vegas. Not happening. Nope. Papa, George, Papa Giorgio, man, that was Papa Giorgio and Johnny Ocean is what you're looking at right here. <laughs> Are those your uh, uh, bro Licia names? Uh, aliases slash bro Licia, yes, yeah, you can go with that. All right. I was the master of the, the sneaky exit. The sneaky exit. Yep. Uh, <laughs> good, good times. I know one day I'm going to be able to go to Vegas with you guys and not remember a single thing from it as well. Oh, uh, well. We'll see. And, uh, I was going to bring up that I heard, uh, actually, I think it was Cody Webb is the guy that tweeted it. It was I thought it was kind of an interesting note and he uh, he mentioned he, he said uh, I hope that Enduro Cross doesn't go the route of I'm paraphrasing here of uh, Supermoto and I'm thinking what what's he talking about with this so I was kind of thinking about it more then I saw that press release how X Games is going worldwide exactly and I'm thinking okay so they got four rounds there and so it's kind of like you know what is going to happen with the because I mean we all know X Games version of Enduro Cross is not Enduro Cross right? absolutely not. I mean it's more of a show. So I think his point was, is like, is it going to make it more of a circus? I hate to use that term, but, you know, it's kind of like, is it going to change it to where 
you know, like Supermoto, it seemed to kind of like be the, the end of Supermoto. Yeah, that's yeah, a really good point. I mean, it's... So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I know there's a lot of guys that are excited about the international, like Gary Sarlin. I mean, he's like pumped about being able to go do something like that and bring more value to his racing. Um, yeah, but are they going to be yeah, able to... I kind of have to order. Are they going to... They're not going to fly him out there. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's probably... There'll there's, probably be an elite group of people that'll be invited. Probably yeah. that will get taken care of. Yeah. You know, say it's 15 riders or something like that, and then because they got to have the to make the show, and then they'll probably make the rest of it up from locals, yeah, you know, like in Spain and other Brazil and stuff. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, with I it, think but, they're, they're going to have a qualifying round, which is going to be whoever makes it in the U.S. round, and then X amount of riders that do good at the U.S. round will make top 10 for the U.S. round will make it into the, the international round and. And then they'll go to each one of those top ten riders. I mean, as a, from an exposure perspective, obviously it's going to be huge for the yeah. Endurocross, but you have to wonder, like, that type of person that's tuning in, I mean, is it even a graphic, you know, have, I kind of can that's, equate that's I reality. equate that to, like, you know, the monster truck crowd. I mean, are those do those people even, you know, I mean, they can't, obviously can't drive, they, they could drive a truck, but they're not going to drive a monster truck, you know, like Arena Cross, same thing, they go to Arena Cross, and most of the people in that are probably, you know, they, they go to watch entertainment, you know, it's not necessarily racers going to watch racers. Right. So. I, I will say what I'm excited about from that stigma, though, is maybe breaking a little bit of the, with, you know, again, going back to demographics, these people that are watching, you know, uh, X Games, you know, when they associate with, like, they just associate with a ramp and a backflip. So every every person you run into that says, oh, you ride dirt bikes, you know, you kind of get that, oh, do you do some sweet tricks? And so now I think, you know, I think with having, uh, with having Endurocross be a part of that circuit, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to our our skill level, our aspect of what we do as far as off-road racing and riding, um, and actually just have a little bit more, uh, I guess, knowledge of that you know of that side of it. So, but agreed, demographic-wise, television. Okay, so yeah. uh, then I would like to ask uh, Mr. Ingle as well. We were talking a little bit about why you were having technical difficulties getting on the show. We were going to try to start a Baja team. So you're obviously more than welcome to join that. We like cool people. You're All a cool right. person. But on top of that now, apparently we're going to start an Endurocross team, and we're going to go trash a bunch of motorcycles on Endurocross courses. So do you think that you would be in for something like that as well? <laughs> well, let's try to do something on the East Coast, because that's <laughs> I'm going to have to put a lot of traveling in to do that. But, but yeah, uh, Baja, that would be cool. Actually, I was talking to Reigns the other day, and, my freaking camera's doing the zoom in thing again. <laughs> I was just gonna but, say uh, I like your nose hairs, but you know, what yeah, but, but yeah, Reigns was uh, talking a little bit of uh, doing some Baja stuff this coming year. So I don't know, maybe might make it out that way. That Who would knows? be that would be. I told him I'd drive the chase yeah. truck, but yeah, the Tennessee Knockout Viking series. And that, yeah, yeah. A little four race series back there, and that's whoever yeah. gets the horns, man. There he is, Viking <laughs> horns. I like it. There you go. Like it. Fired up. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am absolutely Damn, in, and I want to have the best time possible while doing this. Okay, so you just mentioned the fact that you're out on the East Coast, and we know that Off-Road Viking is, you know, you guys cover a lot of news that goes on um, not just nationally um, within the off-road world, but as well uh, internationally. I've seen you guys post some videos and talk about different stuff that goes on out there. So, Covering kind of something, uh, a series that will go around the entire nation would be the National Enduro 
circuit. You know, Brian Elliott was given a little bit about how that that series is kind of ramping back up again. They're really starting to sell out a lot of these races at the five hundred the five hundred person limit. You know, they're looking at seeing if they can get six riders per row, starting to get six hundred riders, things like that. Series is growing. They don't make it out west west. Um, they go about the Wyoming. They're not doing that next year, so they're obviously going to be much more centrally located, centrally and east, eastly located, eastly, centrally and located on the east. Eastern. Easternly, oh. easternly. There it is, centrally and easternly. There it is, there it is Tennessee boy. Bring, bringing the grammar in. I like it. Where were you, Dale? Where were you on that one? I just like to hear the piercisms. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do like to make up pretty much my own language. So that's fine. I mean, you guys did come up with the word 3.4 helmet. I just. True. What is it? Point point spelled out P O. That's how you pronounce 3.4 again. I like it. Okay. I just like the press release because it was like pronounced 3.4. Like it, because it was. I had to. Because the whole time, I, oh no, yeah. I, was, I understand because I always called it the 3.4 until I read the entire press release. So yeah, I got ready to spell it out. I thought Dale messed up. But. Wow, I thought you were just being facetious. <laughs> All right, so there's an, was that was that a fake word? Did you just use a fake word? No. Okay, so talk about the national enduro. We had a 18 year old Stuart Baylor Jr. win um, not only his first national enduro title, but I would probably say one of the youngest national enduro winners or title winners um, in history of the series so he was the xc2 winner last year for the gncc series and was fighting for the xc2 championship this year in the gncc but obviously um he, he was kind of plagued with injuries with the novicular bone that he uh, had some issues with and then as well he had to uh, a broken collarbone in the last series so a lot going on there with that guy but i mean what did you guys think of his run i mean I, dale you know we'd like to we'd like to get i'd like to get everybody's kind of thoughts on on what you know, how it went for him this year, for, from y'all's perspective. Uh, he, I mean, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I thought, yeah, you go ahead, Dan. You go ahead. Oh, you, Dale. I think he said Dale. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell. One of the D's. Um, from from my perspective, I just was amazed. You know, I was kind of in awe. I mean, the, the kid. Uh, I mean, he really went through some tough, you know, trials this year, and he showed a lot of maturity, in my opinion, to be at his age and, and do what he had to do and keep maintain his composure. And, uh, I mean, more than anything, I think even though he lost the X2, I think that Enduro title is huge by far. I mean, that's even bigger than the GNCC title, you know. I mean, I think next year when he's in the XC1, it'll be a little different. And, uh, I mean, if he wins that, it'll be on par with the Enduro. But, I mean, that Enduro title, I mean, that's huge. When, you, when he beats a guy like Mike Lafferty, who's, I mean, obviously he's, Phenomenal. What, eight-time eight national enduro champion? Yeah. Uh, I, I can definitely say from, from our standpoint on it, you know, with, like, the Ampro side, I, you know, I know uh, Stuart being in South Carolina, I know Randy, obviously, everybody down there, I think, you know, those two even had a little heart-to-heart. -heart and, uh, you know, just that, that importance of, of that national enduro title, it kind of, it definitely came in front of it. It's like, all right, you've got the XC2, or you can go win a national enduro, and I think that Stuart made it a very grown-up decision to chase that title, which, uh, which, like you said, is very admirable. I think it's awesome. So. Yeah, I mean, that's going to do more for his, the longevity of his career. I mean, just, just in, to get some mileage out of it, I think that added a huge amount of value to him as a, as a racer. To, yeah, to and, sign with him. yeah, and not even to mention, he 
wasn't even planning on racing that series yeah. completely through at the beginning of the year. And uh, but yeah, the kid. I mean, I ran into him uh, before the race at Loretta's, and he kind of pulled me to the side and showed me his collarbone, and then told me he was going to race. And then to watch him race, I mean, uh, there ain't much. I don't. I can see that kid pretty much pulling off anything he sets his mind to because he's he's solid, man. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it, it being freaking at Loretta Lynn's, I don't know how I didn't hear, unfortunately, you know, that it you know, about his collarbone incident that he had, I guess, practicing a couple days um, beforehand. And that's insane. Um, I've had one broken collarbone when I was in the fifth grade, cried like a baby. I mean, I'm not exactly the most hardcore guy in the world, but still, you know, it was really bad. And you were, you were, you were a puss in the fifth grade is what I heard, too. I mean, <laughs> has my dad been talking to you again? Because this is just not fair. Yeah. Actually, I heard he had a mustache just like that in the fifth grade. I, actually, yeah, he literally had that same mustache. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you guys a good look. So this is uh, just a this is what's left of my December beard because Thad Duvall wussed out and shaved his, so that means I automatically win. And this is the Fu Manchu. I, I have to be honest. I think this is one of those issues where Thad backing out, he actually won. So I'm just going to throw that out Really? There. You, you, yeah, yeah, he won. Sorry. I don't I don't agree at all. I, I, mean, I think that's unfortunate. I like it, Pierce. I like it. I think it's a good look. Yeah, I think Tennessee, man, it. if I had a freaking exactly. if I had a Budweiser in my hand, we would be we would be kin. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> so yeah, extra beer. Oh look at Dale trying to sneak out. I like it, man. That's okay. You're the wise man. Okay. Um so Michael Lafferty, we were talking about eight time national Durham championship uh or champion. He was actually he came through in uh, second overall in the national enduro uh title ship chase just a, a handful of points down behind baylor and then russell bobbitt in third russell bobbitt was kind of the defending champion charlie mullins before that you know the fact that lafferty is still up there with those guys kicking it i mean that is that's some manpower right there some super stand power that guy on those now that he's back on those two strokes is just i don't know it seems like he's found a whole new career of being being mike brown in enduros yeah yeah, he's he's uh, not showing any signs of slowing down anytime soon, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I know. It's like I can go into forty and still kick a bunch of eighteen-year-olds' asses. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like uh, you know, an off-road racing. It's 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 kind of like more on par with with uh, like road running in a way. You know, like there's there's thirty and forty-year-olds that I mean, I think I think there might even be statistics. I think the thirty-year-olds or forty-year-olds run the fastest marathons. Yeah. Um, just because I don't know if it's maturity or what, but it's like off-road. You seem like you can extend your career so much further, and it's it's not always about raw speed. You know, you've got to be crafty and line choice, and just riding smart. You know. Well, and not not to show my outer motorsports uh, nerd, but I mean, you look at baseball, and uh, this is I mean, thirty to thirty-five. That's when they start writing the checks when it comes to baseball. You know, these players, their prime is you know mainly 30, 30, 35 years old. And it's like, you see that in our sport. I mean, you, you see guys, I mean, look at Rodney Smith. Yeah. I mean, he dominated yeah. until he was what? Well, and you think in the GNCC series this year, the XC2 and XC1 champions were the old guys in the classes. You know, JT, he's what, 28? And yeah. then Paul's 35. So maybe there's something to it. Yeah, off-road racing is definitely a sport of, of maturity. I mean, you have you have to have a certain level of comprehension that says, you know, here's where I'm going to, you know, put my energy. Here's where I'm going to hold off. I mean, Daniel, you work with Jason Rains a lot like I do, and that's a big part of that, 
that purpose, when to be smart, when to put your energy towards something, and when to conserve that energy. And I think that, you know, guys like Paul Wibley, uh, I mean, Paul Paul's the perfect example of it. Paul is literally, he's a machine. He's that guy that does the same lap time on the first lap as he does the last lap. And everybody goes, how is that possible? And it's just, that's that level of understanding of where his body is, what he needs to do. And when he's there, man, he's at work. When Paul's on that dirt bike, he's, he's And he's half robot. Yep. He's yeah. half robot too, so. Half robot does help. I agree. Yeah. I mean, part, part of it is, I think, too, like the after you've done it for so long, like, you know, there's that muscle memory term Absolutely. to where, like, your body, like, literally, like, you know what, back when I was racing, there was times where, like, I, I swear I'd be out rocking, and it's like I wasn't really even thinking. I'd be drifting off thinking about something else, but I was still hitting my lines, and it was almost like that, I don't know, like autopilot almost, where after you, after you have – I think there's a there's even a book. I think it might be a Malcolm Gladwell book where he talks about the ten thousand hour rule. Where like once you've hit that many hours of doing something, it takes that long to get to where you're just you know, you're you're like the James Stewart. You know, I mean, it's just that guy's put so many hours in the saddle to where it becomes instinct to where you're not really even thinking. Yeah, it is enough. Yep. Hmm. Okay, uh, it's all good points. And one of the ones that really kind of caught my ear buds, if you will, was the one about uh, what Daniel Engel was saying and talking about with uh, the two XC, the two GNCC winners from this year, with Paul Wibley, who was last uh, XC1 champion in 2009 on his Kawasaki, did it this year on his Ampro Yamaha. And then we got the XC2 Woo! winner, right? The XC2 winner, uh, Jason Thomas, on his... Uh, Kind of on his privateer KTM, you know, with his, uh, I, I want to say dad's company, KR4. I don't know that there's been any real talk about that, but that's kind of uh, like, it's, dad's, it's yeah. like, then who is that? Frank King. Yeah, okay. Then, Frank, do you know that relationship yeah, a little King. bit better, Daniel? Uh, not, I mean, as far as the re relationship between Frank and uh, Jason, I'm not sure. I just know that, you know, Frank owns Key and Wireless and KR4. Uh, he helps Jason out. It's kind of Jason's own team deal, and Frank helps out with uh, you know the motors and all that good stuff, getting to the track. And my camera's doing it again. Uh, every time I talk, but yeah, he likes you. He uh, likes you. But it's not. Yeah, his his dad's uh, Jeremy, I believe is his name. Okay, uh, Jeremy. Thomas. Yeah, it was just kind of weird. Yeah. I just, I don't, I, I mean, honestly, you know, you can kind of pick up rumors and all that kind of crap. For, well, not even having rumors, but just kind of stuff from everywhere. And it just seemed like a couple times I had heard people refer to his dad and then the KR4 stuff. So, um, but, so Paul Wibley obviously worked very, very hard. He's been working hard since his championship in 09 and before, but he wanted another one. You know, it seems that we had Yuha Solomon, uh, Solomon and in, 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 and then uh, David Knight were the two, the last two guys that could come over. And not just they won back-to-back -back GNCC titles, but, you know, the fact that someone could come in and win two was hard enough. You know, it, it seemed that once you got that number one plate, you had a lot of bad luck and that things just weren't going your way. And I think Paul Wibley finally was able to say, you know what, I'm going to put a squash to that. I'm going to work my butt off and I'm going to go win it again. And he did. Uh, Charlie Mullins, it seems, was plagued by the kind of number one uh, plate per, uh, curse. Uh, a lot of bike problems, uh, just a lot of weird stuff that went on this year um, with his bike, with him personally and stuff. And then towards the end of the year, you know, they were having the baby. There was just no need to kind of 
to, to be there at the end with things the way they went. So congratulations to him on the new kid. I mean, that's awesome. You know, so I, I know he's going to be back for 2013, number 112 again. He's going to be looking for that title. So, obviously, Paul Wibley did a great job XC1. So, going into 2013, what do you guys see? Do you think Paul Wibley can do it again? Brian, you got to, you got to, you know, open up your mind here a little bit. But, you know, what, how, do, like you, how do you guys see this there. going? That's a Fox News bias alert, I believe, is yeah. how they would have done You keep your political views out of this. I don't even think you can ask. Ask me the question technically. Let's go to Daniel. It's a blue bias. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Paul can do it again. Oh well, uh, shit! Now we got another blue bias. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't but know. No, this fair. I, I, I bleed orange, bitches. Well, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry you have a man crush on every orange motorcycle rider in the industry. You could have just left it at man crush on men. <laughs> in general. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm gonna put it out there. I'm gonna break the break the blue. Here we go. I, I really think that uh, after how things went down this year, with coming down to the last round, that I think Kr is gonna come out, and I think he's gonna be even more hungry. I mean, that kid obviously he's got a lot of years to win that title still, but uh, man, oh, that kid's unbelievable on the bike. You know, yeah. I mean, his his riding style, just how he's a charger. You know, like he's he can get on a motocross track and hold his own. You know, like kind of like Strang. So I just think that he's, I think he's gonna be stronger than ever next year. So it'd be hard I, I, to beat I him. would, I would absolutely. I would say if there was cross errors uh, on any rider from a team standpoint going across, I would say Caleb Russell. Uh, you know, he's, you know, going back to what we were just talking about, Caleb is in that fine line of uh, of becoming an adult within the sport. He, he's gone from that. I mean, gosh, I mean, I mean, you guys remember one, two years ago? I mean. You know, Caleb was on a 250F. He was, you know, right. getting the second place. He'd be leading the overall. He'd just be killing it with that. And that's that youth. That's that uh, just that that full drive that just gets you out there. But then at the end, would kind of fall back a bit. And I think that Caleb is really what we're going to see in this off season is him focusing in on on what it takes to just be that go that speed the entire race. And uh, and and you know, I mean, once again. And we'll go with Paul. That's where Paul shines. He can maintain, and, and then at the end, he can actually pick up and go faster. And I think that if Caleb can learn to match that pace, uh, Caleb will absolutely be that guy to look out for from from the standpoint of, of Paul Whittler. I think Caleb's already got that pace. You know, not to disagree with you, but Caleb's already got it. Caleb's really, in all honesty, if Caleb don't have bad luck, he's faster than Paul. Yeah. Love Paul, Paul Wibley to death, but – Caleb Russell's faster than Paul. I think this coming year you're going to see Charlie Mullins back on fire after this past year. 13 is going to be good for Mullins. I think Thad will be somebody that will be uh, top three just about every weekend. Thad's got his bike figured out. I think Paul's got his work cut out for him. Paul could still do it, but um, I'm giving 2013 early prediction. Charlie Mullins will, will win again next year. Hmm. That's interesting. That's I know. Solid prediction. Yeah, and uh, you, you guys all know how I feel about predictions, and that's okay. I think that they're they're well and good where they're at. Um, I, I like talking about what, – what, what do you feel about that? Does it make a dick out of you and me? <laughs> a prediction? A prediction? Yeah. Is that everybody's a dick prediction? <laughs> there is a dick in it's every prediction. Out. I don't know. Maybe somebody said it before, but I'm going to claim it. We're going to go with it. <laughs> Dale Spangler. I, I am actually uh, – I, I am predicting the rise of Randy Hawkins for 2013. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to say Barry Hawk you know, for a second there. 
Yeah, I think yeah. actually Barry Hawk will be riding two up. The double Hawk. The double. Are they both going to be shaving the sides of their head? That it's going to be awesome. It's going to be full on half and half. Halfway through the race, they'll switch who's riding and who's driving. Team race. Ooh. Yep. GNCC team racing. It's like UTVs, like but on it. dirt bikes. Yeah. Team Ramrod. So pretty. Will they be doubling? Whoa. I don't know if we need to be. Talk- I don't know if we need to be talking about doubling up in the woods of Tennessee, my friend. Oh. Hey. <laughs> yep. it, it could obviously get very awkward. Well, I I love the fact that Dale brought up uh, Caleb Russell. I think if now luck is part of racing, you know, where uh, preparation meets opportunity. But you know, he had a horrible Florida, came back and dominated, went like three, four straight. You know, had and then had quite a few wins after that. So Caleb Russell obviously has the speed, has the ability to compete with Paul Wibley and. Uh, a lot of the other guys on the line. Thad did get the taste of a win, so he's going to have the blood in the water there, I think, is the way Andrew DeLong likes to put it. And then, of course, we're going to have uh, Charlie Mullins coming back. And is Charlie Mullins going to push too hard because he's kind of like, oh, my gosh, i got to make up for kind of how things went last year? Or is he going to settle into it and say, you know what? It was just a bad year. Mentally, I'm okay. You know, where are things going to be? He's like, it's got the new kid. He's just there, ready to enjoy life and just keep riding and keep having fun. Uh, obviously... Um, we don't know where Jordan Ashburn's going to wind up. Nothing has been officially announced with uh, with him and what team he's going to be on. So, uh, And then obviously there are a slew of other riders. We've heard uh, talk about Josh Strain coming back. He's past champion. Um, it could happen. So I think it's going to be interesting kind of going into it. In the XE2 class, we've got a couple guys that have been moving up from the, the A class into the XE2 in the end of the year with Plessinger and Douglas and a couple other guys and uh, Bonaire, see if he's going to come up. I mean, so, and then of course we've got guys that have been there for a very long time that have been really trying to win. I think Andrew DeLong is going to be a very, very strong competitor uh, moving into 2013. Honestly, I think he's probably going to be the guy to watch for because um, he, he's gotten quite a few wins. He did phenomenal at the ISDE. He's just, he's, I think he's ready. I think he's going to do it. And I think he yeah, could also do really good at the national Enduros too. Yeah. DeLong is definitely driven. He's, you know, he's got that mentality of a, of a guy who wants to win. And, you know, I see it's you know, just that he's just very focused on that. Zero intimidation either. Yeah. I mean, he's not intimidated by anyone. So I think it's, it's just one of those guys way. where it's, I mean, he, he takes that Husky and just, you know, I mean, he's, makes it work you know i mean he's one of those guys i don't think you what you put under him he's going to make it work you know right no excuse type of guy you know and i think that's why he fell well with freddie over at far you know because i mean freddie's a no-nonsense guy too you know and he's 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 got a team of guys now that work hard you know like he's douglas now coming out as a support role as far as really exciting for chris yes so really pumped for him the whole family douglas family they work great great kid so uh yeah him and I think Dick Davis coming back, and then DeLong. It's a that's a pretty solid team, and it's great to see Husky keeping up. And I think you said it. you said it perfect. Fred has a team that works well for. Him. Yeah, that's that's the atmosphere that I think Fred works the best in, and those guys really they just you know no, no good, no bad in any direction, but it's just creating an environment where everybody is on one page is is honestly it's a great way to run a race team, and I think that Fred's kind of figured out this newest combination. Of, I think 2013 is going to be a good year for far. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Andrew will be – if Andrew has no 
Uh, nothing like he had this past year. Andrew's going to be tough, tough, tough to beat this year for sure. I like it. Well, I think moving forward to kind of looking into some of the other series that were out there, we talked about Paul Wibley, how how dominant he was in the XC1 class. It was kind of him and Caleb Russell. We talked about Thad had a win in there. Um, but when you take Paul Wibley in the OMA series, which has kind of been picking up a little bit of steam as well, I don't. I wonder if people are starting <clears throat> to realize that they can't spend as much money to travel, and so they're starting to really kind of buy into their local series a little bit more. You know, I don't know if there's if there's something to that because with the J Day series, they're blowing up the East Coast, obviously, and I don't think it's just that. I think that series is phenomenal what they're doing. I was totally wrong with my early predictions. Um, I think it's a great format. Can it work everywhere? It's going to be something to see because of the fact that they don't have that terrain and that kind of moisture in the ground, and they just the possibilities what they can do up there is, it are much much more endless than I think they're what they're going to find when they go to Florida. Maybe if they go West Coast, kind of things like that. But then you know you say you got Hare and Hound. Obviously, there's a lot of guys in the West Coast that can ride that series without traveling very much. Same thing with the Big Six. It sounds like so. Kudos and all these uh, organizations doing such a great job on building up their programs. And uh, OMA, it seems like, has been doing the same thing. Paul Wibley won, and he won all but one of the OMAs this past year. The second to last round, the penultimate round, if you will, because I have just learned that word this past year after so much reading, and I just love it. The penultimate round. It sounds so much fun. Nobody would have a clue what it means unless you look it up. Will you spell that for no. me? I need a spelling. No. Please? I won't. I will not. It starts with a P and ends in, in ultimate. Okay? That's it. Right there. So, yeah. Done. <laughs> so, um, but, and the only. I think that's what he says to warm up before the show. Yeah. How now, Brown Cow? Yeah. How now? The that, arsonist, that the arsonist says, uh, what are the oddly shaped feet? Yeah. I believe that's a good. An ultimate. An ultimate. That's how it says, yeah. Come on, Pierce. Is that how you warm up before the yes, show? Yes. I'm like Dale Spengler, <laughs> the penultimate guy in my book. That's it. Uh, so you're, you're the, we've all seen warm ups. They're not pretty. <laughs> yeah, you guys don't want to be here for this. I, it's before I put my. Checks in, I, checks in every, it's before I put my pants back in on. CrossFit Center, but he's really at the donut shop across the street that doesn't have a check in. Oh. <laughs> oh. You know, warm okay, up. so you're talking. Was that a, was that a, was that a, a nick at my CrossFit? What was. Yeah, it was the nick at you checking in everywhere you uh, go. You know what's that, funny? That there's the a nick. there's a donut shop right next to my CrossFit gym to the box, and we have to. I have like working out, sweating my butt off every freaking day, pretty much every freaking day, and I'm like watching these like fairly obese people like walking there. They walk by and they like stare at us in the mirror. They get their donuts, and they walk back by to get their to get their to their car, and it's just kind of like well. I hope they checked in because they're there and I'm here and I checked in. So I guess it's worth it. Right? <laughs> they, they just look at you and say, maybe next week I'll go in there instead of in here. No, I don't, I don't think they ever think that. I don't think they ever think no, that. No, they're, they're like, you're a friggin' idiot and I'm eating donuts. So. Oh. That's okay. I mean, I'm not saying you're a friggin' idiot. I'm just saying that's what they're thinking. No, it's cool. My dad would say you can the call same him. thing. You can call him a friggin' idiot. He's not going to be that. Offended. Yeah. It happens to the best of us. All right. So Paul Wibley. Did a phenomenal job, except for at the penultimate round exactly where Russell right. Bobbitt would have won. No, he did win. And Nick Ferringer was third overall. So we had uh, Paul Wibley, Russell Bobbitt, 
and uh, Nick Ferringer. Great job, you guys. I think it's going to be cool to see. And uh, Nick Ferringer is on the, uh, oh, man, the kind of Husky team. Air group. Yeah, the air group, guys. Air it's group. like A-R-R. The air group racing, radiant air racing. Air group. Air group. I don't know. I'm struggling. No, well, I'm just kind of like excited for Nick because I'm glad that like with all the shuffling that went around because you, you can't not pick up Stuart Baylor Jr. Like KTM had to do that. Um, and so it kind of shuffled around where Bobbitt was going to go. And I don't know if Bobbitt chose to go to a, like a Husaberg or if Husaberg, you know, if KTM kind of said in the marketing strategy, you know, you will give you this Husaberg part and that kind of left Ferringer out. But then, so he was like talking to the next kind of person, you know, team that ran Husabergs. And so that would have been, you know, air group radiant racing. So, but I know the couple times he's texted me, he was on the guy's private jet. So, I mean, that sounds pretty good for him, I guess. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're just pumped that you can say Ferringer. You can pronounce well, it right. Just like an ultimate. Am I wrong? I mean, that's true. I, whenever I spell it, though, I have to remind myself it's Fa Ringer. Like, that way. Yeah. Every time, every time I, I spell it. I have no idea how to pronounce it, so you're, you've got it down. Fantastic. Yeah, I learned something there. Ferringer. Yeah. yeah, I got to do an interview with yeah. him at the National Enduro, uh, at the Acadiana Classic, and uh, Acadiana National Enduro, which is the Acadiana Classic. And great dude. Super fun. He was way more down to earth than I thought he was. Not that I thought he wasn't, but it was just really <coughs> fun to talk to, and I had a lot of fun talking to him, and I'm glad that we got to do our little interview. So I think now... I would like to just, you know, give you guys some of the floor. I mean, we've got all of this stuff that obviously I can't, we can't cover in the amount of time that we have, and we're technically already over it, but I don't care. We've got more beer. There's always stuff to talk about. So, oh, show, man. We can, go, we can go days. Yeah. So what what is it that's got you guys driven about either this past year, the coming year, life in general, motorsports? What is it? What's What's got you going? I want to hear from Tennessee. Yeah. That's a tough question. Uh, I mean, you could even break it down deep. to being like, I put underwear on this morning and I am proud of myself. <laughs> no, nah, man, I'm I'm looking forward to you know. Obviously, GNCC is big for us. Uh, uh, you know, last year was really good. I mean, from Florida all the way up to the end. You know, River Ranch. We've seen Paul and Charlie come in literally wheel to wheel. Loretta's. We leave. You know, Paul barely winning the championship. So I'm pretty pumped about next year. I think the XC1 class is going to be even more competitive because uh, you're going to have, you know, obviously Paul, Caleb, Charlie, Thad, Stuart Baylor throwing it in the mix. The XC2 class going to be pretty interesting. Uh, you know, Andrew DeLong going to be tough. Jason Thomas going to be tough. Our boy Jed Haynes, uh, can't forget right. him. He's going to be going to be a top three threat every weekend in XC2. So, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty uh, looking forward to uh, GNCC series National Enduro. Uh, it's going to be good stuff. For sure. I like it. Next, I like it. I like it. I'm really excited about this. I, I I'm excited just to hopefully make it to more GNCCs and just have some more fun with you guys. You know, it's been great. Getting to meet Elliot, I got to make it out there uh, last year and meet him. I'd met Spangler before that at Loretta Lynn's. Um, phenomenal time getting to do that, and uh, I, I just I just hope I get to do that some more. 
Um, obviously, I've always kind of got things in the works. Uh, 2013 for me, personally, as Brian Pierce, uh, I'm absolutely so stoked and excited to keep pushing forward with Seed Time. I've got all kinds of ideas in the books. I just wish I could sit down and try to figure them all out and actually get some of this technology working 100% the way that I see it in my head because I think it would just be something that is is absolutely phenomenal and that everybody would have a great time and it would keep people very, very interested and you know just willing to sit down on a Tuesday night for a couple hours and have a couple beers and just goof off uh, as well. I'm excited then as, as being that I own seat time, that I'm excited with the Verb, you know, Verb Off Road and Verb Moto deal. You know, they're going to be helping us promote the show next year. We're going to have them fly racing as our title sponsor. Talking to a couple other guys coming on as kind of support sponsors. Uh, don't want to overdo it, though, man. You know, it's like we like our partners. We want to keep them small, but keep them tight. We want to really do a good job with them um, and make it worth it. And so that's the, that's the goal. That's the deal. I think 2013 is going to be absolutely phenomenal. I cannot wait to get involved get uh, and, and, and to continue to learn. Um, I feel that this has been two years of absolute, you know, baby steps. And I'm very much looking forward to being able to get out of the diapers, if you will, and stop having somebody else wipe my ass and just uh, jump feet first. Nobody wants to wipe your ass, Pierce. People have been doing it for a couple years, son. No, I know. (laughs) I obviously, obviously meant that figuratively. I, I can't appreciate all of you guys enough for you know, having kind of stepped up and helped me out with everything you've helped me out with because it's been an amazing relationship. I might tear you up a little. A little tear, isn't he? Just a little tear. All right, Elliot. Soft. Elliot, it's time for you to give us some some, uh, stuff about 2013. Oh, 2013, man. Well, like you said, 2012 is amazing. Good friends, good family. Uh, the collaborations we've done with you guys have all just been a blast. It was great getting to know you and uh, having fun. And uh, you know, I think I think we're kicking it off right tonight. We're in uh, our brand new Alliance Off Road Quarters tonight. We've got to, we just moved into a new building here in Boise, yeah, which is a kick ass. And uh, we're, uh, we're we're actually we're sitting on a, a ten dollar couch I picked up from Goodwill about twenty minutes before the show started. Like <laughs> keep it real. That is yeah, so awesome. Real. Uh, uh, Businesses. Yeah, we well, it is. It's all about supporting supporting local businesses and local trash uh, depots. Yes. Um, and I think that you know it was kind of a joke at first, but it fits pretty good in here. So I'm going to keep this in here just to remind me of uh, of uh, this time that we spent together tonight. But uh, 2013, man, we're we're really excited. We're going to be doing our full launch uh, for Alliance Off Road and all the good that we've got coming. Um, as far as our product line, as far as our, the clothing line goes, uh, we're also going to be doing something a little bit different this year. I think we're working really hard on putting together an ISD club team uh, for Italy. Um, so expect to see an Alliance Off-Road club team in Italy this year. And uh, we're going to do our best to promote that uh, through some of our, the help of some of our good sponsors. We're not officially announcing anything yet, but uh, we've got some riders that are working hard and uh, you know, we, we've just got some really cool things coming down the pipe as far as exposure goes on that level and just getting some guys in Italy that really want there. And I think that just kind of creating a story around focusing more and not on the not on the what is, what you know, who's winning at ISD, but what is what is the International Six Days Enduro and how can we present it in a different fashion. And uh, I'm going to this year to do something like that. So that's going to be one of our focuses. And then uh, just having fun, man. You know me, or our motto is live life off-road, and 
I try to spend as much time in the woods as I do in this office, and uh, that's going to be the same thing moving forward into 13. We've got snow starting to fall. We're going to do some snowboarding, having some fun doing that. And, uh, yeah, just excited, man. We're just excited about all the things, and uh, we'll have some announcements coming from the Ampro team right after the first of the year uh, to kind of fill everybody in on that. I'm sure we'll be talking about that soon as well. Hello. But uh, come on, we t- I told you no, we can't we can't go into too many secrets hey. tonight. Uh, it's all right. We'll call Perez what? Hilton tomorrow and figure it all out. <laughs> he's got all the, he's got all the dirt. He's got all the dirt. So, anyways, no man, you know it's it's just been uh, every day is a blessing, having a lot of fun, and uh, I'm excited. We're going to be doing a lot more work on the on the big sky race. We're going to get Daniel Engel out west here. We're going to get you out west uh, for the Big Sky XC, which is now a standalone race. It's not a part of the series. Uh, you actually have to qualify for it in the state of Montana to race in it now. Cool. Coming up. Cool. And I think you're, you know, going back along the lines that we talked about about the series, uh, I think another thing you've seen in 2012 is the rise of kind of some of these premier <clears throat> racing spots and Big Sky, the, the Kenda, Tennessee Knockout. I have a feeling you'll probably see two or three more of those that will eventually become one kind of series of extreme U.S. North American events. Um, so just a lot of, again, not saying anything, not putting anything out there, but I think that uh, you're going to start seeing a lot more of the root of off-road coming back, and that's really what our brand's all about is getting the core of, hey, we all just love to ride dirt bikes, and I think that the racers that also love to ride dirt bikes are going to show up on them and have a good time. and. And uh, really just kind of, it's, it's going to be a fun year, man. I'm really excited about 2013. All right, Dale, you want to tell me you're not going to tell me anything? Victory. Did you just give a victory salute there? <laughs> <laughs> Don't make fun of my cheerleading days, man. It's just not fair. I like I it. I wasn't. But... I like your, when you have fun, you're just like that. I think it's your, is it like your, Avatar for something. Oh yeah, for Facebook. Like, oh yeah, for Facebook. It was that one for a long Fantastic. time. It was the one where I had. It, yeah, awesome. it was like I was doing an interview with somebody, and it just they mentioned either like a Kurt Caselli kind of moment or you know something like that, and I just got super excited, and so it was really fun. But <laughs> he just talked to Kurt Caselli for the fourth time. <laughs> Shut yeah. up! That's awesome. Why would you judge me, man? <laughs> All right, so Dale Dale wants victory, so. I think I think uh, you know we've all we've all stated our opinions, our thoughts, and uh, had a lot of fun tonight. It's uh, I'm not going to tell you it hasn't been without a little I'll bit. Talk of... about thirteen if you want me to. What's that? You want me to talk about thirteen? Yeah, I'll talk yeah. About no, I do, I do, Dale, I do. It's like forget Dale Spangler. Who cares yeah, about Dale Spangler's thirteen? Why don't you bring the insight in here from the man that brought us all I'm together? I'm going to talk over that man. guy all night. So, disrespect. So be, I guess there's two two perspectives for me. Obviously, my personal being a representative of Fly. I mean, I'm I'm really actually really excited about 13. I mean, I think uh, pretty proud of the of the team that we built off road with Fly Racing. I think we've done something. That I think maybe you know some other companies have to do in the amount of time we've done. You know, we've come in and I think we have built relationships with riders to where they feel like they're a part of something and. Um, you, know, you go to Loretta Lands. I didn't go this year, but you know, like I was, you know, told by some of the people that are there. I mean, we have a, there's a lot of people wearing on the, on the line, you know, and we help a lot of riders, but there's a lot of riders buying fly, and we appreciate that. And uh, 
I think it just goes back to you know supporting us something that we believe in, like we feel like deserves the attention and the support um, that we give it. You know, I mean, we do the best we can. I know there's there's some frustrated racers out there that just feel like it's tough right now and they're not getting to what they deserve. But um, the same token, you know, like it's tough for everybody, and you know, companies are doing what they have to do to survive, and so it's on the same thing we're still supporting off-road, whereas a lot of companies maybe have gone the opposite way. So it feels good to be able to say that we're behind GNCC and, you know, Aaron Hound Racers, and, you know, there's just a lot of, we feel like we have a lot of good momentum going right now, and in 13, you know, good. And the thing about our team is it's, you know, we've got a lot of fast racers, we've also got a lot of great people riding for our team, and that means a lot to us. It's not just always about race results, it's about how you carry yourself on and off the track, so... Um, that goes a long way with, you know, on a, on a personal note, I'm just, I'm, I'm stoked to be a part of this industry still. I mean, you know, I'm over 20 years now in the motorcycle industry, and I think after a while you can kind of get burnt out. And Off-road, for me, has been one of those things that I've taken on that's kind of got me rejuvenated about going to work every day and, and doing my job. So um, this kind of stuff's fun to me. I love talking about it and, you know, debating things and, you know, talking about what's going on down the road and, Getting excited to watch the, you know, the that car come in the first of the year. I mean, I never would have thought I'd be that excited about, you know, watching <laughs> yeah, that that car Johnny Campbell in it this year. I'm so like, true. I can't wait to see how he does, you know, on that new Honda. So, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. It's uh, good times. That's right. Cheers. Hey, all right, so you're done. <laughs> yeah, I think I just broke broke your glass, but yeah, hey, what's good. that chip? Come on, Jesus. This is- <laughs> Gosh. Whoever made those is a cheap-ass piece. <laughs> C-Time's C- actually being, it's a live feed from Chuck right now. Hey. He subsidizes it. I got to hand it to you, Brian. This is a true pint glass. Not a lot of people, there's a lot of companies that claim a pint glass, but this is a true pint yep, glass. And I, I, yeah. I peed in it earlier. It measured exactly one pint. Yep. Yeah, it did. What's uh, what most people don't actually know is that uh, pint glasses started because of the fact that a pint sixteen ounces. So when you started having a pint glass, it was because of the fact that beer should have a proper amount of head involved, which would be four ounces. So then, if you have a proper pint glass, it is actually a twenty ounce cup. So it can hold twenty fluid ounces. Um, so sixteen fluid ounces of beer, four fluid ounces. Wait, of Wait, you need to have a proper amount of what? Proper amount of what? Proper amount of head. Oh, okay, I just want to make sure that you're the foremost expert in the out of absolutely. The I have bought so, so many proper yeah, pint glasses ahead. it would make your cheeks turn red. All right, <laughs> and not just the up among not other not just the upper cheeks. Mm. Ugh, but that's probably just because of the hand marks. But seriously, this is oh, but they're definitely red. But so 2012 has been an awesome year, uh, totally a growing year. Again, like I said, I've, I've learned a lot. I'm looking forward to learning more. It's been a lot of fun. We've talked about all the kinds of stuff that's going on this past year. We've talked a little bit about what we think is coming up next year and maybe what we're looking forward to, maybe what we're not looking forward to, but what we think is just going to happen. So I don't really know. But remember, this is seat time. It may be the longest thing you've ever done on the Internet, but it's probably been the most fun you've ever had. Hopefully you enjoyed a pint full of awesome. You can find us on seattime.co. Uh, if you're on Facebook, facebook.com slash seattime. And as well, on Twitter, seattime underscore co is our Twitter handle. If you want to tweet us real hard, we would really appreciate it. We're going to go through some of the tweets that we got tonight for the Fly Racing Helmet and make sure that we get back with those guys. We're probably going to DM you, but that means I'm going to follow you. 
I'm going to DM you later. That's it's very dirty. I'm, I don't know why Twitter did it that way. They're like, hey, let's send him a DM. I mean, it's kind of interesting. But whatever. All right. They don't have anything to say about that. So, all right. Everybody out there, they've got their own little handles. They could talk about them really quick. All right, Daniel, I'm going to give you a chance. You ready? Do it. At Offroad Viking. At Offroad underscore Viking is our Twitter, and Offroad Viking Racing is our Facebook, and of course, www.offroadviking.com. Elliot. Hello. All right. Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Brian Elliot AMM, where we're usually talking about a lot of nothing. And uh, Instagram at Alliance Offroad, as well as Facebook. Uh, we just we just met our personal account, so we moved over to the the new whatever. So that's just uh, Facebook.com/slash Alliance Offroad. Uh, you know, hit me up personally, be at AllianceOffroad.com. You know, we're all about friends and family here, and so just having a good time. And then Dale. This evening. For fly racing. <laughs> uh, oh, professional. Well, I won't go there. You know where to find fly racing. If you want to hit me up on the Twitter sphere, Spanky162. It's oh, yeah. in reference to my dad, Don Spanky Spangler. May he rest in peace. Passed away some years ago. Drag racer. That's where I get the nickname from. My old racing number, 162. So at Spanky162 on Twitter. I think it's just on Facebook. You can just search for me, Dale Spangler or Dale Spangler162. He might want to be your friend. He might not want to be your friend. All right. Well, episode 67, pretty much a little roundtable discussion. I think it went a little bit better than I expected, um, and I'm glad that it worked out the way it did. Daniel Engel, very glad that you made it on. I really appreciate your time. Obviously, Brian Elliott and Dale Spangler. I appreciate you guys not just uh, being in the same city and getting together, but creating the fun little atmosphere that you did. Um, having a couple adult beverages because of the fact that you're over to the age of 21 and, uh, you know, creating your nice little niche there. I like it. Um, with seat time, always like a good time. Love to talk about off-road racing news. Always hit us up, please. You're more than welcome to. And remember, always enjoy a pint full of awesome. Have fun out there, and uh, hopefully we'll see you next time.